Hey, Sharnold. Yeah, Zach? I have a question. What's up with the comics? Like Mar- like Marvel right now. What's up? Like, what's what's up? What's up? What? I, what's up? With, what's up with Marvel? <laughs> that, was, that was quite a bit of rambling <laughs> to get to a fundamentally simple question. Warning: This podcast contains extreme spoilers from Marvel Comics number one thousand and incoming number one. Have been warned. Hey, everybody. This is the Doombots podcast. We're the Doombots. I'm Zach. This is Sharnold. Hello. And basically, we're comic lovers, except Sharnold knows them much better than me, and I have a passing understanding. We figure there's a lot of people who have a huge affinity for the Marvel characters in the Marvel Universe who can't read all 60 some odd comics they put out every single month month so we're gonna spoil the shit out of them yay one one crazy ass story at a time so uh that's our general plan and today i have a very specific question for you sharnold yes and by specific i mean wildly broad oh oh where's marvel comics at now i know they just had an 80th anniversary special going on last week you teased me about some crazy shit something about a a mask and some trees, I think. I don't remember. Yes, but, the uh, Eternity Mask. Oh, that. Oh, oh, the Eternity <laughs> Mask. Okay. Well, there's no point. Everybody go home. Yeah. Now we know. What's up? All right. So, yes, the first Marvel comic, Marvel Comics number one, was published in 1939. So, this past year, which was 2019, was their 80th anniversary. That math adds up. Yes. <laughs> I'm very good at math. And. They published a I would comic. like to point out, you didn't have to do any of that math. They are celebrating their 80th anniversary. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, it's always good, good to, to double, double check. check. Don't, right. don't just trust people. That's fair. Never trust That's fair. them. So they published a comic called Marvel Comics 1000 in celebration of being 80 years old. And they had a bunch of stuff in it about a lot of the history of Marvel Comics over the past 80 years. Was there a narrative to this comic? Or was... Sort of. All right. So, so they're also semi-retconning some of their history in order to create a new character that is going to make a big debut in 2020. Okay, let me ask you a question. Marvel Comics been around for 80 years. Has Marvel ever done a series reboot? Like DC with the New 52 or Rebirth? Or Has there ever been that, like, we're just starting fresh... Every character is different, and you're going to kind of hate them a little bit more. Yeah, so they did that once Okay. in the 90s. It lasted about 13 issues, and then they went back to the regular universe. They just mulliganed? They were they like, just... this isn't working. Undo. But so 13, so it lasted a year. It did, reboot. yeah, a full oh, year. Right. It was called the Heroes Reborn Universe. It was because of Onslaught, which was Professor Xavier and Magneto put together. You know what? Let's tackle that maybe on a different day, because that sounds like a lot. Yes, yes, indeed. Um, but one of the things I really like about Marvel is that instead of changing the past, when something is weird or doesn't work anymore, what they'll do is they'll tell a new story to find a way to explain it. 
so that it does make sense. I feel that sense here is told with <laughs> massive air quotes. So that it can be comprehended All right. under the current rules of whatever crazy shenanigans sure. exist in the here and now. Oh, How about that? Yeah, that's close to a thing. Yeah. So Marvel Comics number one introduced two of Marvel's big characters, one of whom was the Human Torch. Human Torch. Like human the Torch. Fantastic Four Human Torch? Like... No. This was the robot Human Torch. I'm sorry? Yes. So, oh, what? Well, Android, technically. <laughs> so, not a human, then. Well, he was shaped like a human. No. Okay. As opposed to being like a Are you telling me like that the first Human robot. Torch fails to live up to... A full 50% of its moniker. Yes. Did it light on fire? It did light on fire. All yes. Right. Sometimes uncontrollably. I guess that is the more important part of the two. Yes. All right. And so that character in one form or another, whether it be the original Android or Johnny Storm in the Fantastic Four, and then later the original Android being brought back to life because, hey, it's Marvel Comics. Why not? He's been around for all 80 years. Oh, right. Same thing with Namor the Submariner. I'm sorry, that was the first in, one? Yep, in Marvel Comics number one. He is the, gosh, how do I describe him? He wears a green bikini and has wings on his feet. He's got the pointy ears like a Vulcan. Oh, well, I'm sold. <laughs> I mean, I know Namor. I always thought he was an Aquaman knockoff, but I guess, is Aquaman a knockoff of Namor? Yes, actually. I do think Namor appeared first in 1939, then that's before Aquaman did. For sure, I think. And so he was a If we're wrong, I'm sure we'll find out about it. <laughs> Absolutely. He was half human, half Atlantean. Okay. So he could breathe both underwater and in the air. And what were some of his powers? I, I'm not really familiar with Namor. He, could he always fly. seems fly. Kind of... Well, he's, yeah, he's a huge jerk. He's... Let's pause. We have to stop completely. He can fly. Sure, he's got wings on his feet. There's so much <laughs> that I okay. have wrong with that. The, if the... he can fly, right? Yes. That's a lot of time not submarine. That's a lot of time above the marine layer, correct? But he can also breathe underwater. Sure. But again, like the not-human torch, I feel that if you're going to make a character whose whole thing is water, making him fly is... A weird power to just throw in there. That's fair. But he was modeled after the Roman god of flight. Hermes? I guess in the early days, you're like, oh, we don't have to be super specific because there's nothing else. So just give them all the shit. Yeah. Uh, that makes sense. The creator... I mean, not set. Again, big air quotes. <laughs> Submariner's creator, Bill Everett, was a big fan of Roman mythology and the way that he came up with the name for Namor mm -hmm. is he wrote down a bunch of words backwards to see which one looked Fucking cooler. Roman. And he's Roman. The little wings on his ankles are modeled after Hermes. Hermes, yeah. Sure. And that's why he can fly. Okay. The only way that works for me is if he's flying upside down by his feet and he's just <laughs> dangling through the air while the feet fly independent of his control. And that's exactly how it works. Yeah. Really? Oh, that's cool. I, that's very interesting. Yes. I'd love to see those original panels. <laughs> uh, right, he's also so... super strong and can talk to fish animals. Sure. And... See, that's a, that one makes sense. The strength, sure. I mean, he's a superhero. And actually, all Atlanteans are super strong of because course, they the live super deep. Yeah, I know yeah. history, Charnel. <laughs> I understand aquatic biomechanics. I'm not dumb. Well, good. <laughs> anyway, so... So he has also been dude. around for 80 years, right? In one form or another. <laughs> fish dude. 
Yes, Fish Dude, as we lovingly call him. This is ridiculous. All right, so. And there was another character. Is Namor, is Namor still a staple of Marvel? Like, is he... Yes, absolutely. Okay. In the current Marvel comics, he is getting ready to go to war with the surface world. Did he uh, have a solo comic of his own? No. Oh, okay. Did he ever? He has from time to time. Okay. Yeah. And he oscillates back and forth a lot between being a good guy who fights for the greater good of the whole planet and being a bad guy who is mad at the surface world for polluting the ocean. And right now I he's relate. a bad guy who's mad at the surface world. I very much relate to both of those emotions. <laughs> I, never mind, he's my new favorite character. Anyway, so how does this relate to 1000? So Marvel Comics number one also had another character in it mm-hmm. named the Masked Raider, who was just a regular Western character. Westerns were super popular in the early days of comics. Sure. He lasted for about 12 issues, so he has not been a super famous part of Marvel's history. They just stopped writing his thing? They just... They, Stop yeah, it just thing. wasn't popular. You know you suck when there are only three, and they're like, no, we can definitely get rid of <laughs> one of our three. Yes. Wow. And what did he do? Was he, like, as he a, didn't do oh, anything. Was he, was he part of the same universe as... No. At the All time, right. the idea of a connected universe wasn't really a thing. Got it. They were telling separate stories with separate people. Yeah, All right. and okay. he was a cowboy, so he lived in like the 1840s or so. Sure. All right. So what they're doing now is they're bringing him back, and they've decided... The time is right. We've all been clamoring. <laughs> they've decided that his mask, yes. he wore a black mask, because he was the masked raider. Sure is this extremely important mystical artifact. Uh And so throughout the Marvel Comics issue number 1000, as we celebrated Marvel's history, they also showed how it had been in the background of some of Marvel's important moments. We just didn't know it at the time. Oh, so it's like a weird, like... Um, usual suspects, do you remember? Yes. But yeah, uh, sort of like, oh, it was secretly in there the whole time. We just didn't realize it. Sort of like the twist, like the Fight Club. Yeah. The Fight Club reveal, but retconned into the 1000th issue of exactly. this comic. All right. So what the mask is. <laughs> uh-huh. Oh, I'm already very excited for this. So in Marvel Comics, there is a being called Eternity, who is the physical manifestation of the universe. All right. And he is a conscious creature. So Eternity, so like death is, we talked about Thanos. Yes. So death is also a... Yes, and death lives inside of Eternity. There aren't very many beings who live outside Eternity, but there are a couple. We see them from time to time. And from time to time, Eternity will use its consciousness to interact with some of the things going on inside of him. Like the way that you burp. Like, if you feel like you need to burp, you can make yourself burp. Okay. If Eternity's like, ooh, there's there's some stuff going on in here that I don't like, and he'll mess with it a little bit. I feel Eternity may be offended by the way in which you are reducing his cosmic greatness uh, and I don't even know this character, but I just know that if I was that, I would be like, no. That's... My analogies are perfect. Never question them. Okay. That's fair. So the mask was woven through the soul of eternity. Nope. No. Yes. Yes, it was. No. It says so in mean? Marvel Comics what 1000. What does that mean? 
Um, I'm not really sure, but wizards did it back in the King <laughs> Arthur era. Back in the King Arthur era. Okay. Yeah, so the Eternity Mask has existed for a long time. Sure. And it's got the power to make whomever wears it the equal of any around them. Just the equal, though? Yes. But not better than. It gives them a fighting chance. That's what's important. Okay. Sure. (laughs) And the intent of the mask has always been about revolution and giving power to the people. I'm not trying to criticize, but the caveat, it gives them a fighting chance, sounds like everyone thought like, oh, we need outs for dramatic effect. So we can't make this mask as powerful as something that is woven through the soul of eternity, because that would be... All, everything, all the way, all things. That could be just ultimate power. Yeah. So, but like, how are you going to write a story? Like, it's the Superman problem where you're like, oh, okay, everyone's made out of kryptonite now, I guess. Like, that's why they made that. So they didn't have to make a bunch of things whose powers are counters eternity. Yeah, that's fair. And also it gives him the ability to be kryptonite to anything overpowered that they may have already made. Oh, that's a good point. It's a neat... I mean, the problem with it is it's it's a, a little bit of a blatant attempt at that, it seems. Yeah, I'll give you that. I mean, it could be interesting. It seems to me that with the Mask of Eternity in that aspect, the mirroring the person that you're fighting, I guess, it, it's very much like a... I think there's a character Taskmaster. There is a character Taskmaster, who can, yes. Who can fight like anybody he's fighting, right? Yes. Okay, but Taskmaster, if I remember correctly, and I probably don't, could retain that knowledge. Yeah, so anyone he fights, he gets the ability to mimic their fighting styles. And the base saves that. And it, saves that, okay. yeah. Does this Mask of Eternity allow this person to maintain that power? It does not. So the power of the wearer goes up and down depending on who he's around. Okay. All right. I'm already thinking of the possibilities. Like, imagine he just starts fighting, like, a big bad, right? And then some, like, just mobster comes up, and he inadvertently obliterates him because he's also fighting another guy at the same time. I like this. I'm down with this. Sounds good. So, what they show about this mask is that it was originally woven in King Arthur times. Benjamin Franklin used it to help win the American Revolution. Did he now? As we all know. Yes. As I told you. I know my history. <laughs> I remember the Mask of Eternity class. Yeah. And then the Masked Raider had it and was using it for good in cowboy times. And then three characters called the Three X's mm-hmm. got their hands on the mask. Okay. And what they have been retconned into being in Marvel Comics number one, when we meet the Human Torch... The scientist who built that android is showing him off to three other totally random, meaningless scientists who are now these important scientists called the three X's who we see have been at important moments throughout Marvel history doing this, that, or the other. So is this comic just a look back at different moments, important moments in the Marvel history, and then subtly inserting the mask or these three into those moments? Yes. So it's an 80-page anthology 
where each page tells a one-page story about one year from Marvel Comics. So there's one page about 1939, one page about 1940, so on and so forth. Oh, okay. Got it. And some of the stories are just kind of fun, silly. Some of the stories are celebrating some of the history and a handful of the stories weave this mask into events that have happened before. Got it. So another place we see the mask when Steve Rogers first gets the serum that turns him into Captain America, Mm -hmm. apparently in another room in whatever building this was happening in, the three X's were using the mask to make another hero called the Thunderer. He was a hero, a very short-lived Marvel hero from the 1950s. Also going to throw this out there. A lot was going on at that base. Well, sure. It's pretty impressive. Yeah. All right. The Thunderer? Yeah, I don't know anything about him. A, just a just that he existed in the fifties. I mean, that is a very unfortunate name. It's you just so? difficult to say. Thunderer. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's it's a weird phoneme. Thunderer. Does well, he just does he make thunder? Is he loud? Honestly, I do not know anything about oh him. Oh my god, I'm obsessed with the thunderer. Except How are that, we bringing back some guy named the Masked Raider, and you've got the thunderer running around? Well, maybe we will. And it turns out the Thunderer was powered by the same Eternity Mask. But then wouldn't just his power be... Does the mask have different powers throughout time? It hasn't been shown to, but it has been shown that if you don't believe in the magic of the mask, it won't lend you its powers. Uh, whoa. What? Yes. So So faith is required for the magic to work? Yes. I get that. That's very, like... That's how it is in love, too. Oh, yeah. No. There's a sense that the mask is semi-sentient and aware and interacting with whomever is wearing it. The current incarnation of the masked raider talks about how the mask shows him things, shows him important things that he needs to know about. Sure. Uh, I mean, the same thing just sounds like something a crazy person screams at you outside of a Walgreens, but... Yeah, that too. I've got a mask! It was woven through the soul of eternity! And it shows me things! It makes me as strong as you! <laughs> that's that's probably how Marvel okay. Comics gets most of their stories. That's not a bad point. I can see that happening. So, one of the other comics that recently came out was another anthology called Incoming. And it is right. supposed and to set the stage. This is separate from the Marvel 1000. This is so separate from okay. the Marvel 1000, but came out at a similar time, at, towards the end of 2019. And like the Master Raider, it's sort of setting up a, the next couple of storylines. Yes. So which it the Master Raider will be a part of? Yes, he will. Okay. So Incoming is sort of a teaser of 2020. Sure. There's a crime. It's hard to solve. So each character goes to their next friend to get help. Right, and so... It's just a crime? Okay, well, I guess we'll start at the beginning. Okay, yeah, I mean, generally, right? I was going to give, like, an overarching summary before going into the details. You're right, right. now do the thing. (laughs) Well, that's that's it. There's a crime, and then they go from character to character trying to solve it, and that's why we get a glimpse at all of these things that are happening in the Marvel Universe. Okay, what crime could be big enough? Is it a genocide? Is it, like, a... No, it's just a dead guy. It's just a dead guy. It's a mysterious dead guy. All right. <laughs> this world has psychics, right? Yes, it does. How does but... any crime exist when psychics are a thing? Their psychics in the Marvel Universe have to read somebody's mind 
who's there. They don't get impressions from nothing, if that makes sense. Very convenient. So they couldn't just go to the site and understand what had happened. If he was still alive, they could pull the information out of his mind. You know what? I bet if I asked you that same question, could a Marvel psychic just go to a character and get an impression, you'd ask, who's writing it and what year is it? (laughs) Like you always do with all of the questions I have. If the story they wanted to tell was about a psychic going to a mysterious crime scene and magically solving it, I'm sure they could find a way to do that. Anyway, so it's like a locked room murder? It's a locked room, 30 stories up. There are no signs of struggle, no signs of the apartment having been lived in. The mask showed the masked raider that this person was dead, so he shows up and he's like, ah, I don't know. Super sounds like he's guilty. Finds out that Daredevil is across the street doing some practicing with Elektra. Is that what we call it now? (laughs) Yes, that's what it's called. All right. So to get their attention, of course, he shoots at them. What? I mean, it's not like you can yell across a street from 30 stories up. You're right. His hearing is shit. (laughs) That's a good point. But he does have the mask on. He literally sees with his ears. Maybe Mask Raider just wanted to test his guns. He hadn't shot them in a while. All right. I feel that's a way to make a bad impression when you haven't existed for the last (laughs) 79 years. But sure. All right. So Daredevil comes over. He's got no idea. He says the apartment is mysteriously clean. Just because I'm a nitpicker, did Daredevil at any point go, bro, what's up with the shooting at me? No. Elektra did. Electra, when she first showed up, was like, yeah, 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 with the fights. And Masquerader was like, no, nah, it wasn't me. And Wait, it wasn't me who was shooting? You who, know what? who killed the dead body that you know I have what? brought you to I'm discover? Get, I'm getting hung up on his uh, method of introducing himself. Let's just move on. Next person after the next person. Daredevil calls his friend Jessica Jones, whom listeners might know from the Netflix series Jessica sure. Jones. Or from the comic, probably. Is yeah. she in the comic? Thing? She is in the comic. She's never been a very dominant character. Got it. But, you know, she's around here and there. Sure. She is a private investigator, so that's why Daredevil brings her in. But what she says is, everything was locked up tight from the inside, 30 floors up. In another world, maybe that would make for quite a mystery. But we're in this one, and thus, it could be anything. Magic, aliens, teleportation, time travel... A sentient necktie with a decades-old grudge. The possibilities are endless. Okay, first of all, love that line reading. That was great. Thank you, thank you. Second of all, she's right. What even is crime detention (laughs) in this world? How are police a thing? I agree with that, and I have often thought that in many Marvel stories, so I am very glad that she brought that up. I just mean, like, like the level of ambiguity about very core existence of life in this universe would lead to mass existential crisis among every person who wasn't superpowered. I agree, but if you know enough about the universe, there's also a lot of nice existential certainty that comes from knowing exactly what creatures made you and why they did. I guess so. But the sentient necktie thing's a solid point. Yeah, I mean, everyone could always die at any minute. And the entire world does get destroyed not infrequently. (laughs) (laughs) 
All right, so this guy's dead. Everyone's real weird about it, even though there's murder all the time. And as Jessica Jones points out, it's not even that weird of a murder, considering it could have been anything. Yeah. All right. So she finds a picture at the crime scene, Mm. and on the back of it is the phrase two-faced, and then a series of numbers. Not Mm. a DC crossover, though. No, not two-faced, the character, two-faced. Look, I can always hope. Like a description of a person. Maybe one day. I'd love to see Harvey Dent just called into this and be like, what the fuck is going on? (laughs) Just out of nowhere. Just out of nowhere. So the other thing on the back of this picture is the Hollis Star, which is a symbol of the Kree Empire. They're aliens. Okay. They're the blue skinned guys. Mm -hmm. I mean, we could talk for hours about who they are. So Kree, are those the Captain Marvel? Yes. Okay. Wait, which there's multiple cre- aliens? Scrolls are the ones that are green and can shapeshift. Oh, okay. Kree are the one who are blue and are and all evil in the movie. Kind of warriory, yeah. Okay, but scrolls are good in the movie, but bad in, in the, the movie. Comics. Yeah. Well, in the comics, like it depends big... on what year it is and God who's telling it. the story. <laughs> Look. Wasn't it sort of a big deal about the Captain Marvel movie that the scrolls, the big twist was that they weren't? Yes, because the normally both the scrolls and the Kree are generally villains. Okay, got it. Yeah, neither so, of them like humans very much. Got it. And also, the Kree and the scroll have been at war with each other for centuries, possibly even millennia. A really long time. Yeah. And one of the first big crossovers All right. was called the Kree Scroll War. Okay. And it was about the Kree and the Skrull aliens who were fighting each other. Spilling and over into Spilling Earth. over onto Earth. Okay. So, Two-Faced. Yes. So, Carol Danvers, mm-hmm. Captain Marvel, yes. recently found out that her mother was a Kree. Okay. So, she is half Kree. All right. And this caused a lot of publicity problems for her. People generally were mad at her for it. Felt like they'd been lied to. That she had deceived them. Sure. So because of that and the hollow star, the symbol of the Cree, Jessica Jones thinks, well, let's go to Carol. She's a friend. Let's see what she thinks. She doesn't know anything. So Carol takes it to the Avengers, who she is a member of. The Avengers computer chooses to not decipher the meaning of the code. Is it sentient? Sort of. Okay, nope. We'll have to get to that later. There will definitely be an episode about this, but the Avengers live inside of a celestial right now. Oh, mother... A giant space god. I think we need to address that pretty quick. Like in a couple episodes? Yeah. It's not really important to this story. It's just important to know that the Avengers couldn't do it. All right. And while the Avengers computer is choosing not to decipher the code, some of Namor's goonies show up and are like, hey, we're mad at you. To the To the Avengers, which is one of the signs, one of the reasons that we know that there's going to be a confrontation between Atlantis and the surface world soon, sometime in 2020. Yep, Marvel definitely gets their ideas from the crazy person outside the Walgreens. (laughs) There's going to be a confrontation between the Atlanteans and the human world. You're like, all right, I agree. I mean, to be fair, that happens every 10 years or so. That's true. And the guy outside the Walgreens has fought in every one of those wars. (laughs) Yes. So they can't help. So they can't help. So Carol goes to... Who do you go to after the Avengers? You're like, nah, sorry, brah. Well, what she should have done is gone to Mr. Fantastic. Any time that you have a puzzle that you cannot solve, you go straight to Reed Richards. Spoiler alert, at the end of the story, Reed Richards is going to be the one who figures it out. Why not go to him first? Always go to Reed Richards first. Of course. 
Because for some reason he's arbitrarily smarter than everybody, right? Well, he's not arbitrarily smarter than everybody. He sure. is smarter than everybody. He is the smartest oh, he's person the smartest in the person universe. Yeah. Is that his power? Sometimes. Uh, <laughs> I don't know so, why I... All right. Generally, no, but sometimes they do say that the elasticity of his brain due to his stretchy powers is why he's able to be that smart. But he was that smart also before he got his powers. He's just so, the smartest man in the world. Yeah. Okay, got it. In the universe. Oh, specific. You weren't just being... It wasn't hyperbole? No. All right. Well, yeah. then why would you ever He's not... busy. He's doing lots of stuff. So are... Everybody is. That's fair. Since you've decided to stop and solve this fucking closed room murder mystery, and you already inconvenienced the Avengers. We have for to see what everybody fighting a Atlantean. We have to go see what everybody else is up to. Okay. So Carol goes looking for her friend Monica Rambeau. I don't know what that means. I don't know who that is. That doesn't even strike a my. Oh wait, no, she's in the movie too. She is in the movie. Yeah, 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 yeah. She's yeah. the daughter. Okay. Of Carol's friend, because when Captain Marvel two takes place in the modern age, uh huh, the daughter will be you know in her early adult. Wait, I just realized something. Does Carol Danvers not age because of her powers? Depends. Uh, don't. No. Okay. <laughs> just keep telling the story. Just keep telling the story. I swear to God, just keep telling the story. So, Monica Rambeau is not around, but her boyfriend is Dr. Adam Brashear. He is called the Blue Marvel, and he is with two of his new teammates. Oh, Marvel. Marvel, yes. What did you think I said? Marvel. And I was like, weird name. Is he just like a rotund fellow? I don't understand. Like Gambit? He just kind of pew, pew. All right, blue, sure. blue marbles shoots, at people? Yeah. Yeah. Blue Marvel. Got it. Keep going. Ignore me. I'm terrible. <laughs> so Blue Marvel has gotten together with two other scientist-y types specifically to study and hunt down and understand the Eternity Mask. And nice. so they weave it back in. They do. Just like it was woven through the soul of eternity. Exactly. So these are the three characters, and I actually really, really like the descriptions that are written for them in the comics, so I'm just going to read them for you. Sure. So, Dr. Adam Brashear, the Blue Marvel, a genius super scientist turned human antimatter reactor. After the U.S. rejected him in the 1960s, afraid of a black man with his power, he spent decades exploring the edge of the possible. Okay, I have a lot of questions. Save them I for will. later. Okay. We have to learn about the other two members of this team. All right. Jimmy Woo is a 1950s super spy, rejuvenated for the modern era, a man both out of his time and ahead of it. He runs Atlas, a global super secret organization half outside the law. Think S.H.I.E.L.D., but better at its job. James Bond meets Moriarty. Well, okay, I and guess. But hold on. What's the half that's inside the law? People know that they exist. All right. I, I, like, not literally everything they oh, do breaks the law. Okay, good. They just break the law sometimes. But break the law in the name of the common good? That's right. Okay. To save the world. Sure. I don't love the Moriarty part, but... Well, it goes with this next one. All right. Night Thrasher is another representative of the past and the future. So utterly secure in his abilities that he uses a skateboard as a weapon. And it works. Sherlock Holmes meets Tony Hawk. I'm sorry, this came out this year? <laughs> no, it came out in 2019. Oh, okay, I'm sorry. This deck, 
Tony. Okay. He's a character from the 90s. Night Thrasher is a character from the 90s who is well known. Oh, I couldn't tell from the name (laughs) Night Thrasher. And I was about to talk shit about Tony Hawk being like, not to talk shit about Tony Hawk, but just about dated. Dated. But he was literally just revealed on The Masked Singer as (laughs) the elephant. So, also, spoilers for The Masked Singer, too, I guess. (laughs) Yeah, we do a lot of spoiling in the show. Well, I mean, this is, you know. A show? <laughs> this yeah. show? It's a show, right? A podcast is a show? Yeah. Okay. So they can't figure it out either, which I think is unlikely. I mean, given those intros, yeah, like, they should have figured this shit out immediately. You have both Moriarty and Sherlock Holmes references in the same thing. How is he like Sherlock Holmes with a skateboard? No, you know what? We're going to get into that later. <laughs> Um, He's smart and he rides a skateboard. Just like Sherlock Holmes. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, no, 100%. One of my favorite Night Thrasher moments is his very first appearance where he uses his skateboard to, he hits Juggernaut in the face with it. Is it a magic skateboard? No, it's just a regular skateboard. It doesn't do anything to Juggernaut. And I like how Carol says, oh, he's surprisingly effective with his skateboard. And I'm like, not really. I mean, if you were at all effective, I guess I would be surprised. (laughs) So, but, but long story short, very long story short, they're of no help. No help whatsoever. All right. So we go and see a few more characters. One of the other characters that we see is Mr. Sinister, who is an X-Men villain, being secretive and villainous and watching things on his lair with many, many TV screens in it, as every good supervillain has. Of course, standard. (laughs) And the story that we see about him is that he recently went to an alternate dimension called Mojoverse and fought an X-Men villain named Mojo in order to get cable TV for the new X-Men island. Wait a fucking minute. Okay. (laughs) Are you going to explain this to me? No, I think we're good. It explains itself. Oh, fully. (laughs) Yeah. No, totally. So Mojo is... I don't want to know. I want to live in this moment. Oh, really? Well, until next week when we talk about when the X Men's current status will be yes. the main part of our podcast. And we're going to talk about getting free cable by fighting an interdimensional <laughs> bad guy for a very long time. Okay, that's fair. So then, finally, they go to Reed Richards, and Reed Richards is like, "Oh yeah, it's a hexadecimal code. It's really easy to solve. I know what it is." Great, Reed Richards. <laughs> Thank solid. you. Sounds a lot like your brother. This is the only voice I know how to do. <laughs> That joke doesn't even work if you didn't use that cut of that. Okay. So they go to Reed Richards, and Reed Richards solves it easily, because he's Reed fucking Richards. Of course. Right? Uh, it's a smartest hexadecimal man in the universe, code. apparently. He's the smartest man in the universe. Do you think, you know, I imagine that he's the first thing he says. Like, it would have to be. Hello, like, I'm Reed Richards. Richards. I'm the smartest, smartest man, man in the universe. universe. Because it's a famous thing. It was the first thing you learn about a Harvard man, is that he went to Harvard. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're literally the smartest man in the universe... He's a little humble. I mean, but you couldn't be. Anyway, not important. (laughs) So he figures out it's a thing. It's a hexadecimal code, and it's a warning, and it says, beware the trees. Beware the trees. Yes. So what we find out is that the dead person is a Cree. Okay. And his partner was a scroll. Okay. And they were on Earth working together. And one ah. of the things that I really like is that they picked a particular Cree and a particular scroll who had been background characters in a couple other stories. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, so the, instead of just making something new up, they used these two Can semi-established Cree characters. Shapeshift? Cree cannot shapeshift. It's a whole thing. Apparently some Cree are pink, and you can't tell the difference between them and humans. 
like Carol's mom and okay. like this dead guy. Don't worry about it. I'm not. <laughs> it's a whole I mean, other thing. I am deeply in forever, but I'm not. So these guys, Rascor and Beldon, were trying to work together. Wait, hold on. There was two dead people? No, there was one dead person and his partner. Who's his partner? His, his partner was involved in this? What Reed Richards finds out yes. is that the dead guy was a Cree. And he had a partner. And he had a partner right. who was a scroll. So they then go to the partner and be like, hey, you killed that guy. And he's like, no, it wasn't me. And so Rascor, who is the scroll, tries to explain that they were working together to try to bring the scroll and Cree empires together. Okay. So that would be a big deal. Yeah. He eats an apple and a tree bursts forth through his entire body and he just kind of explodes dead. Wow. What kind of apples is this dude eating? Well, uh, the kind that kill you. All right. Thus beware the trees. Sure. And we don't really know what that means. Like a tree just explodes out of his fucking head? Yeah, a fully grown oak looking tree. Explodes out of his head. Yeah. And, and so now he's dead. All right. And theoretically, it's because of having eaten the apple. Sure. We're not totally sure. Okay. And then that's it? That's the end? Well, there's one more scene, which is kind of a big deal. Okay. We see Billy and Teddy, who are a gay couple. Okay. They are Kid Wiccan and the Hulkling. They were introduced in The Young Avengers. The Hulkling? Hulkling. So because he's Scroll, he has shape-shifting powers, and in his early days, he was just using them to be big and green and strong. Sure. And so he was the Hulkling. And Kid Wiccan? Kid Wiccan. He's magic. Um, I figured. Yeah. From the he name. He happens to be Scarlet Witch's son with Vision, the robot. Yeah. Well, yeah. Of course. Of course. <laughs> But that is like three episodes worth of explanation. Okay. Anyway, so Kid Wiccan and Hulkling. Yeah. Who are a couple. A couple. Okay. And Hulkling gets called away on a mission. By who does he work for? Well, theoretically, it was Raxor, the scroll sure. guy that just died from a tree. Okay. Turns out that Hulkling is the ancestor of this ancient half-Cree, half-Scroll guy. And he's able to do a whole Sword in the Stone thing to prove his valor and thus unite the Cree and Scroll empires. I'm sorry, you said this is one last scene? This is one scene? Not a whole thing? Not its own whole story? I mean, it's, it's like three pages. Wow. All right. It goes fast. It's an anthology. Yeah, yeah, we don't yeah, have no, time no, to no. sit Sorry. around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go, go, go. So anyways, he says, I am Dorek the Eighth, the once and future king of space. We are no longer Kree or Scroll. We are the Alliance. And they're headed to the soul system, which, you know, is Earth. And the end. <laughs> what? Who the fuck are the trees? What are the trees? Well, we don't know, but my guess is... You know Groot yeah, from Guardians of the Galaxy? Of so he is supposed to be the last of an ancient race. All right. Um, and I'm thinking if maybe he is not the last and that their ancient oh. race is coming and killing people, you know, because Groot mean, can fuck your shit up. He's, he's oh, sure. real strong. Yeah. So an entire armada of Groots would certainly be something dangerous that might be able to unite the Korean scroll together. Yeah. And again, my, my knowledge of Groot is uh, limited to the Guardians movies, but I don't remember a scene where he grows the fuck out of somebody's head instantly. And not in the movies. 
No, sure. Does it happen in the comics? I haven't actually read a comic where it has happened, All but right. it certainly could have happened. Depends on who's writing it's, it. What I mean, it's one of his powers. <laughs> wow, that's a lot. Uh, but I feel that we've mostly caught up now. Well, there's one more thing. Oh, good. The Masked Raider, uh-huh. we're going to find out who he is in 2020, and apparently he's going to be a big part of... Oh, so his identity is a, is not been revealed correct. yet? Correct. We don't they're... know who is wearing the mask right now. So um, they're not sticking with like whoever was the Masked Raider when he was first introduced. They're going to make it like a reveal, and he's somebody that we know. Right. So we don't know who he's going to be. Well, he discovered one other thing. The three X's, the scientists that had the mask, have created something called Korvac. Uh-huh. Doesn't that scare you, Zach? Isn't no, that is dangerous? That, what? what? <laughs> no, there's no reason why you should know what that is. Okay. But a long time ago, I believe this was early 70s, there was a crossover called the Korvac Saga. And Michael Korvac is one of the most powerful creatures that the Avengers have ever fought. He's able to basically reshape reality around himself. Now, he's from an alternate future. So I don't think that the Korvac that has been created in the present could be the same extremely powerful Korvac from the mid-70s, but that is the implication to that he's going now, to be. Though, now is the future from the 70s. Yes, but he was from the year 3000, which we still haven't quite caught up to. <sighs> okay. I mean, there's just so much. There's so much. The point is, he's dangerous and he's coming. All right. And he will also be involved in... Whatever the hell is happening. Yeah, it's going to be a crossover called Empire. It's got a Y in it. Yeah, because it's cool. <laughs> like E-M-P-Y. Yeah. Ari. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, that is so many things. That is so... I don't feel... I mean, I, I guess I feel caught up in a very, very vague loose sense of that term. Yeah, well, just like this was sort of a tease of sort of the things coming from Marvel in 2020, I think it's also sort of a tease of some of the stories that you and I are going to be digging deeper into and explaining throughout sure, 2020. because I didn't understand almost any of the things that you said. <laughs> and again, I know comics fairly well, but there's just so many things that were beyond me. I'm, I'm very excited for this. Well, you know what? I think it's time that we spin the wheel of segments. Let's do it. All right. And Stump Sharnold. Ooh, what is this this one? This is fun. Okay, let me get this out. This segment is going to be, I ask you five trivia questions, all right? I based them all on Marvel because we're doing this big recap and also because that's what you love. But I thought this would be a good way to sort of go through weird things from Marvel's past and see if you can get them. Now, we're not going to do multiple choice because that'd be too Ooh, that'd be too easy. That's so extra it, tricksy. Yeah, and also because I just I couldn't think of a reasonable way to do multiple choice. I had a hard enough time coming up with questions <laughs> that might even stump you in the first place. So we're going to go. If you don't know it, say I don't know. If there's a really good story behind it, and I feel there might, I will stop you and we'll talk. All okay, right? Sounds All good. Right. Okay. Are you ready? I'm ready. Question number one. In the early days of Wolverine, what were the artists allowed to show on Logan, but not when he was in costume as Wolverine? Interesting. I don't know, but I'm going to guess cigarettes. No. Arm hair. Really? For whatever reason. <laughs> I'm sure there are reasons. He could have arm hair when he was just Logan, but not when he was in character as Wolverine. Well, you know, that arm hair always makes you less powerful. That's why I shave mine. It was apparently a standards thing or an editor's thing. I'm not really sure. I'll look into it. We'll put it up on the site. 
Number two. Marvel also published a line of Star Wars comics. Star Wars, the original, The New Hope, came out in May of 1977. When did Marvel publish their first issue of Star Wars comics? I should know this because it was in Marvel 1000, <laughs> which I just read. Star Celebrating Wars? the first issue sure. of Star Wars was Who in was it, in not it? a crossover with Star oh, Wars. They just talked awesome. about how it was an important it's part of Darth Marvel Vader. history. Fighting the X-Men. That would be amazing. I hope they do it someday. Disney owns both of them, so it could happen. We found out from our research last week that they've never somehow never, never. done a Star Wars model. Nope. It would be so easy. Not it's even an uncannon, weird, alternate universe one-off thing. It's Which never is happened. funny, because when you look at fan fiction, that's all it is. Yeah. So, I want to say 78. It was March of 1977. It was two months before the movie came out. But the cover date was June, so it looked like it came out... Ah, interesting. But technically, they had worked with Marvel, and they published it in two months before the movie came out. It was the first comic in the modern era to sell over a million copies. Oh, that's that's neat. Okay, question number three. What horror-related word, I'll give you a clue, it's a type of entity, like a, a type of creature, did Marvel own the rights to? From 1975 to 1996, and then eventually they were like, this is too hard to enforce. Zombie. Zombie is correct. Did you know that? Or were no, they I just guessed. guessed. No, was, they owned the rights to the word zombie. And then everyone's like, no, we're just going to use it. And they're like, oh, all right. <laughs> Question number four. What superstar tried to buy Marvel Comics in the early 90s? And, two-parter, why? I have no idea, but I'm going to say Nicolas Cage because he loves comics. It's a good guess. And I bet at some point Nicolas Cage did try to buy Marvel Comics because at some point he's tried to buy everything you can buy. Yes. But the answer is Michael Jackson. I did not know that at all. Apparently, he tried to buy it in the early 90s because he wanted to play Spider-Man in an early film version. He should have waited till they went bankrupt in the late 90s and then he could have probably afforded it. Probably. But I mean, I'm very glad that didn't happen. Are you kidding? I would love to see a Michael Jackson Spider-Man movie. No, just I think the owning the comics part would have been That might not have gone well, yeah. Okay, question number five. It's a three-parter. It's Amalgam Comics. Oh. was a combination of DC and Marvel. And I guess the universe is literally in this version merged. Yes. So characters, two separate characters, became one person. Is mm-hmm. that correct? I'm familiar with it, but I'm not going to be able to remember any of the specifics. Well, so here's the question. It's three-parter. I'm going to name a character, and you're going to tell me what two characters they are an amalgam of. Okay. Okay, number one, White Witch. I'm guessing that that is Storm... And Professor Snow? What? That's very wrong, but <laughs> really good guesses. No, it is Zantana, the DC magician. Lady. Yeah. yeah. And uh, Scarlet Witch. Oh, okay. Where does the snow element come in? White Witch. Oh, I made up snow. the snow in snow my head. Snow is on you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Number two. You know why? Because Chronicles of Narnia. Of course. Yeah. Number two, Moonwing. Okay, that's going to be Moon Knight. Because it's got the word moon in it. <laughs> yes. And I guess Hawkman? No, Nightwing. Uh, oh, of course. Yeah. yeah. And number three, which is probably the easiest, but also the best of anything. And that is Dark Claw. Tell me that's Batman and Wolverine. That is fucking Batman <laughs> and Wolverine. <laughs> that's awesome. I know. I mean, like, I just, I would never stop reading that. <laughs> okay, well, uh,. 
I think that just about answers my question for today's show. But like I said, it, it, I just I have so many more questions now, like infinite more questions. Patience, now. Uh, okay, patience. We'll have to get to those at a later episode. And if you guys have any further questions about today's episode or anything else that you want us to explain further, go into more detail about, you can reach us at at Doombots Pod on Twitter and Facebook and Gmail and all the, all the other internet places. All yeah. the things. If you liked our discussion today, you can go to DoombotsPod.com and subscribe to our blog. We'll have annotated stuff about this episode. If we notice we were glaringly wrong about something, we will address it. And join us next time where I'm going to explain why Professor Xavier and Magneto teamed up with Apocalypse and Mr. Sinister to found a new country. Like a new country? Uh, okay, but as long as we talk about the mojo stuff. That's part of it. Because honestly, I need free cable. I mean, I could totally see Terrence Howard as the character he plays on that show. Lion? Something like... Lucius Lion. That's his name. And I always misremember it as Luscious Lion, and I think that's weird. Anyway, all of this is getting cut anyway. It doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs>